Welcome to episode 30 of Land the Plane Podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Land the Plane Podcast. My name is Dustin. I'm Jonathan. And we are back here at the mics tonight, just uh, ready for another wonderful edition of the show. At the mics tonight. Yeah. That was, that was cool sounding. Oh, yeah, I thought I you like that. jump out the whole song. Oh, no, 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 you no. do some freestyle no, for us, Jonathan. Not feeling I, that good. I was pumped up, man. Got nothing in the coffee. How you doing, Jonathan? <clears throat> man, I'm good. School's almost time? out. School's out for... Summer. <laughs> you almost wanted to say forever, but then you realize then the, it's not. the yeah. truth of your kids being home forever. You're like, no, please go no. back to school. <laughs> please go back to school. Oh, yeah, man. school's out for my kids. Uh, some of mine are still in. We, we make them, some of them go to the bitter end. I don't know why we do that. But <laughs> that's we do. mean, man. Well, I mean, they you get, know who that's mean for? Uh, Teachers. Oh, well, I mean, they're, they're getting paid to be there, right? I, well, maybe. Who it's mean for is their mama who's at home. I go to I go off to work, but she's she gets more days with them. <laughs> if she lets them come home, that would be the mean. Part. Uh, yeah, that would. Yeah. But it's going good. Yeah, cool. I'm glad summer's here. I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I'm always glad when summer's here, and then I'm glad when school starts back. Yeah, usually so. It's like both. You know, I like the uh, I like summer. It seems like things kind of settle down a tad bit. Because it's just a different rhythm. Mm. And then by the end of the summer, I'm ready to get back to some kind of actual schedule and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I heard a thing on the radio today that said, you know you took a good vacation if you're ready to be back home. Yeah. You think that's true? I don't know. Not, no. <laughs> he said that's how you I, know. I mean, it doing. depends on, you know, like if you go to Disney World, it's a good vacation, but it's not really a vacation. Right, it's a lot of work. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of work. And I remember one time we were at Disney World and our kids were young, and we literally got done with, like, the, the last park on kind of the last day that we were going to do whatever, and we just went over and sat down on a bench. And, like, the four of us adults that were with, because another family went with us, we just sat there and just kind of looked at each other like, It's over. Did you take strollers and stuff? I mean, oh man, yeah. I refused to take a stroller. We took we took all kinds of stuff because our kids were little, and the the worst part of it was by the end of the day the kids were so sleepy that we would literally have to carry them from the bus where it dropped us off at our resort because we stayed like on a at a Disney resort, and the the dog would <laughs> the dog the the dog is standing there looking at you. Well, okay, so anyway, we would get off the bus, the kids would be asleep, and we would have to carry the kids all the way back to the room. Uh-uh. And like I pulled up the room on like Google Maps and zoomed in and looked at from the room to where the bus stop was, almost a mile. And we would be carrying our kids like at midnight back to the room. It was, it was a long walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't take kids to Disney World unless you can walk. <laughs> I ain't pushing a stroll around. I ain't dealing with it. It's all their parents do it. And I'm oh, like, all of them no. could walk. Yeah. But just not past 11 o'clock at night or something. I know what's going to happen. One day I'm going to be in a wheelchair. 
and I'm going to go Disney World. My kids are going to be like, nope, Dad, you're staying Can't in the walk. hotel. <laughs> no Disney for you. Serve you right. Well, this show's coming out on a special day, Jonathan. Why don't you, yes, it uh, is. Tell people about the little thought you had there. It is. Uh, it is coming out on Memorial Day. So, uh, w- uh, thank you to all of our veterans, um, and because uh, I, I know Memorial Day is more about remembering those who have lost their lives, but I think it's a good time to also, you know, honor those sure, um, yeah. who are who are living. And uh, so, really, you know, I mean, today. Really, kind of stop and think about what our country could be like um, if it if it were not for uh, those who have gone before and, and laid down their lives for our country. And if you do see um, veterans, thank them today, and not just today. You know, something I started doing um, several years ago was if I see someone in in like an active military, or I can you know wearing a veteran's hat or something like that, you just know they're a veteran. Um, I just stop and thank them for their service. And it you can just tell that it does something for them. Um, and I also started a hashtag called thanks for serving. And it's like thanks and then the number four serving. Mm-hmm. So thanks for serving. So I will I'll thank a veteran and I also take a like take a take a selfie with them and then hashtag it thanks for serving so that they can they can see it out there. Of course when I first started doing that, I Forgot to make those public, so, <laughs> so nobody there was, saw them. Nobody saw them. No. So um, if you you know if you can do do that, uh, just a little little something extra that we can uh, kind of draw attention to uh, those who are serving our country, and uh, and through that even we're honoring those who have who have served and, and paid the ultimate price for our country. Yeah, and it's a great great thing to do. And to add to that a little bit, I just want to say. As we do go remember, you know, our veterans and those who have given their life uh, fighting for this country, even though you may not have agreed with the war or whatever battle that was being fought at whatever time in history, you know, don't take it out on those soldiers. They yeah. they, they did what they were called to do and, and, and with duty serve their country, and they should be commended and remembered in a, a, a great, wonderful life, a light in that way. And so um, thank you. Thank you to all those out there who, who serve and to all those who have given their life. Uh, we, we just thank you and are grateful and uh, just pray for your family at this time and just um, know that's hard. So just thank you for that service. though. Yeah, absolutely. All right, before we get on to the main topic of the episode, uh, we want to take a moment to uh, let you all know about a supporter of the podcast, uh, a good friend of the show, uh, Benita Weisler, has been a longtime listener of the show, and she has begun doing her own um artwork her own uh unique unique type of art for your home decor and stuff and, and we want to tell you a little bit about bonita weasler artistry hard word for me to say it just uh struggle coming out of my mouth but uh, that's bonita weasler artistry uh jonathan you know she's an artist who's been painting upwards of like 17 years all right but recently she's been doing this thing called acrylic pouring have you heard of acrylic pouring have you seen this I, i've never heard of the phrase but i have seen it because i've actually i've gone to her facebook page and seen some of her some of her work it's really cool actually yeah but yeah it's like the like colors and stuff intertwining and going all over and yeah and she like, like covers it with like a resin and stuff yeah she puts like yeah in cups and pours it and uses a hairdryer. It's really neat and it's really fascinating. She's got a great a lot of videos showing what she does. Yeah. And it's, that's the best way to see it is yeah. it, it to go look at it. Go and, check it out. Yeah. 
she does a lot of different things, a lot of different mediums. She goes from canvas art that you can hang up on the wall in your house to wood cutouts to raw wood, just decorating type stuff. She'll do ceramic pieces like serving trays and bowls and coasters that you can actually serve the food on because she seals it all and she yeah. protects it. And it just, it'd be a great addition. Like if you're wanting to host a party and stuff like that, just some great, great stuff to use. Uh, she even does clocks. Like did you can hang up on your wall, mm-hmm. functioning, working clocks that uh, display the artwork that she does. It's pretty awesome. And her biggest seller is that she's been doing is uh, she cuts out like a shape of the state that maybe you live in or something like that. And then she paints it and colors it and they can hang it on your wall. Cause she's from Michigan and she's been doing a lot of those for her back home. And, and, and they're really neat and they're fancy, uh, really, really fancy and really just cool. The way the colors pop and show you different things. She can also do like custom pieces. Like if you have a request or something that you would want, like a certain piece of art or a certain thing for your, your table or for your serving, uh, she'll, she'll take custom orders. Uh, she'll do what color you like. She'll, uh, she, it's all a mixture of colors anyway, but she can do mm-hmm. like a theme, but she's got a lot of stuff out there on her website right now that you can go look at and, and purchase. And, uh, it's really just fantastic art and we want to encourage you. She's been a long time supporter of the show and we want to encourage you to go support her and go check out her stuff. And where can we find, where can we find her? Yeah. Her website is, um, I'm going to spell it out for you, but it's bw-artistry.weebly.com. So that's bw-artistry.weebly.com. And that'll take you to her website, and you can see some of the different things that she does. And you can even send her a note and, and talk to her and ask about special orders. You can also go check her out on Facebook at bwartistry. Um, again, that was BW Artistry. That's her Facebook. You can see so like some of the Facebook.com slash BW Artistry. Yeah, you can see some of the work she does there. You can reach out to her there. And she's even on Instagram at the underscore Chiquita underscore Benita. And she'll put a lot of videos and stuff there as well, showing mm-hmm. her different art. The Chiquita Benita. The Chiquita Benita. Bonita. B O N I T A. Correct. Yep, correct. Uh, but go check her out. She's been a longtime supporter of the show, and we want to return that favor and encourage people to go check her out. And I really encourage you, if you're looking for a gift idea or just some home decor of your own, I think you'll go there, and you're going to find something you love. And if you don't, just send her a message, and she will uh, she can get you something that, that you would love to have. And she does a great job of uh, doing it. So. so one custom piece that I'm wondering if she, if she could do. What's that? So you said she could, like, cut out different states and stuff? Yeah. I wonder if she could do one of the state of confusion. <laughs> I, you know, I bet she could. <laughs> I bet she could. That's actually a great title for like some a canvas piece that she could do. I bet you state of confusion. State yeah. of confusion. That'd be great. But again, go check her out. Awesome yeah, go stuff. check it. It's it's actually really cool looking. Yeah. Um, the way she does those things and 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 kind of what they end up being and and that kind of thing. They're pretty cool. Yeah, great stuff. Tell her land the plane podcast sent you and. Uh, let her know you're a friend of the pod, and um, I bet y'all can have a little talk about it. But uh, go yeah, check yeah. it out. Go see everything she does and support her like she supports this show. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. And, again, uh, that's uh, on Facebook real quick, at BW Artistry and Instagram, the underscore Chiquita underscore Benita. Go check her out. There you go. Thanks, Benita. All right. We're going to move on to the topic of tonight. And, Jonathan, 
you know, sometimes we have a little bit of discussion before we start the show. Sometimes we have a lot of discussion. Sometimes we don't have much at all. Sometimes we have none. <laughs> but the thing I wanted to talk about tonight, I kind of brought this to the table, is is especially with the last few shows that we've been doing, some of the discussions we've been having, there's been some, some feedback we've got, and there's been some talking about it. And we kind of want to dive in that a little bit more. Uh, but tonight, I thought it would be interesting to talk about uh, a story of Paul. I know a lot of people here probably listening might be curious of who Paul is, may know who Paul is very well. But we're actually going to read from the books, book of Acts, chapter 9. And it's really the conversion story of Saul becoming Paul. And the reason I want to talk about this tonight is because in this story, he goes through an experience. He goes through, um, you know, we call it his salvation experience, but we go through him um, being against Christians to becoming a follower of Christ. But it's important to hear his journey and what he went through. And then we just want to talk about some of the difficulties we face in as people uh, given their life. So I'm just going to kind of read the story a little bit. Jonathan, you, you interrupt me and jump right in wherever you you want to, and we'll we'll discuss this out. And uh, but again, Acts chapter nine, if you want to turn in your Bible or, or, or follow along. Okay, but, but not if you're driving. No, yeah, please don't. No. Please don't pull pull over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it said it starts with uh, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So I stop a lot and explain things. So, um, Saul, you got to remember, he was he was high up in the church. He was uh, one of the Jewish leaders of the church. He was there uh, when Stephen, the first martyr of of Christ, was 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 killed. Um, he was there giving his approval. We know that. Um, he constantly persecuted Christians, and if you hear that when he's talking about still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, that's what he was doing. He went out and he tracked them down. Uh, back at that time, the church was actually the followers of Christ. Anyway, was known as the Way. Um, that's kind of what they called themselves. And so when it says uh, he was looking for people belonging to the Way, that's exactly what it was. It was people belonging to the church, uh, people uh, belonging to Christ, and, and being Christian. So. He asked for more letters to go and uh, take to Damascus, to the churches uh, there, that they were looking for Christians, and he was going to um, pull them out. Men or women, it did not matter. If they were sharing that faith, he was looking for them, either to take them to prison or to persecute them even further in that. So it's a little background there while he was traveling. Uh, Verse 3, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Hey, hang on, hang on. If you, need to, you, you need to do like God voice there. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. <laughs> Is that what you're looking for, Tyler? I'm going to scoot back so the lightning doesn't hit. <clears throat> no. All right, here we go. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. I there you go. You know. Saul. Saul. Okay, you do it. Maybe you should just do the... the, the All right, keep on going. Sorry. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So basically Saul, who eventually becomes known as Paul, he'll, he'll go through a name change. We won't quite get that far into the story. But he went... He was on this road, and it just is, is, is basically as it describes. He encountered Jesus on the road. Uh, Jesus spoke to him, said, "Who are you know? Why are you persecuting me?" Um, Paul knew he was being spoken to by someone with authority. That's why he refers to him as Lord. And then he finds out it's Jesus. Now, he would not have worshipped Jesus as Lord. That's why he was out there to persecute. Tells him to rise and enter in the city, and you'll be told what to do. Uh, verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So he was basically blinded on the road to Damascus. you think there's anything significant about being blind for three days, Jonathan? I mean, I think anytime there's three days, you know, we got to wonder about the crucifixion of Jesus. He was in the tomb for three days. Yeah, darkness for three days. Right. You know, makes you kind know. of a kind of an ending of life kind of thing, maybe. Kind of some definitely some symbolism there. Yeah, some consistencies in what God does here. <laughs> uh, verse ten. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. He was a member of the way. Okay. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. First of all, can I just say how cool it is that the name of the street was Straight? Straight Street? Straight Street. Think it was Straight? Probably. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) So he found uh, Saul praying, and he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he was, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. It's not generally, you know, you you don't put those kind of things on a pillow. You know, those kind of verses. (laughs) For I'll show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's usually probably kind of overlooked. Yeah, but I like how I say I like. I think it's 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 good to the story of how Ananias knows his uh, the the reputation of Saul, what Saul's been doing. He has fear of Saul when he gets told this is the guy you got to go talk to, and he's like, "Are you are you sure it's the right yeah. one?" You know, <laughs> he's kind of a bad dude. Um, but it goes on. It says, uh, "So Ananias departed uh, and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul.'" The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which Brother you- Saul, <laughs> sorry, I had to. He's, he's fired up, yeah. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So that's where that's where we're going to go through tonight. And I think about this story, uh, Jonathan, and, you know, it really is a salvation story for Saul where he was 
dead in his sins. You know, he was lost in his sins. He he believed what he was doing was right. Maybe he believed that he was doing the things he was supposed to do. But then when he encountered Jesus, and this is well after Jesus has been crucified on the cross and resurrected. Okay, this is this is way out. It's 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 after that story. Yeah. Um, and here here yet Jesus appears and, and tells him who he is and. Paul is blinded, but then he regains his sight by being obedient to go ahead and go to Damascus. And, and Ananias himself has an important role in the story because he was obedient. And even when he thought, man, this may not be the right guy, he did what he was supposed to do. And we see at the end of the story of Saul slash Paul uh, basically experiencing salvation and coming to the Lord and being baptized and uh, start his road to recovery and immediately start his journey of speaking for Christ, acting on behalf of the church. But what I mean to think of this story, Jonathan, is the idea of, with everything we've been talking about recently, there's this idea of, of, of why people would not follow Christ. What holds people back from a relationship with Jesus? And here we see this story of Saul it was his allegiance to his religion. It was his sense of duty to what was going on. It was his hope of a Messiah that was different than Jesus, that would rule the world and have authority. There was many reasons that he would not want to become a follower of Jesus to the point he was blind. Like he couldn't even maybe see the truth at the moment. And I think there's great symbolism there of people in the world today, why we don't What's blinding us from our relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, I, did, I guess we're just going to start throwing out ideas here. Yeah, just some of the challenges we can think of that people may be facing. Yeah, I think the maybe the thing that most aligns itself with Paul uh, and kind of his story would be religion, you yeah. know. Um, Paul believed in God. You know, he, he thought he was following God. Uh, he was doing everything that he could to basically stamp out this um, false view, in his opinion, um, and this this you know basically this cult. I mean, we might would you know kind of use those words. So so he was very zealous. He had he had a lot of zeal for serving God and and doing exactly what he thought uh, was was what God would want him to do. And so I think one thing that that keeps people from a true relationship with God is, uh, you know, other religions, um, perhaps even um, I think some people who have like grown up in church, um, and maybe it's a uh, have have kind of gotten some watered down view of what Christianity really is. But that's all they've ever seen and all they've ever heard. So it's, you know, they they kind of are playing the the Christian card, so to speak. But they they're they're not truly Christians. So I think religion and and incorrect beliefs is a is a big thing that can keep pe- keep people who would think that they're okay, you know, but, but they're actually not. Yeah, I mean, like what you said there at the end. But would you? Would you definitely, would you go down the road to say, it's not, there's a lot of people who are religious, who believe in God, but yet 
that relationship is not with an understanding of the truth. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of how that relationship is supposed to be. Yeah. Because I know for a very long time that I was the type of guy who believed that as long as I was a good dude, <laughs> and as long as I did the right things, I didn't use too much bad language, and I was nice to people, and I wasn't didn't murder anybody, that at the end of the day, I would be pretty good. I would be well. Like mm-hmm. There's no way that God would not let me into heaven. But we know that that's not spiritually true. Right. That it takes more. It takes experiencing that salvation. I think there's a lot of people in that boat that the thing that holds them back, the thing that's blinding them, like Saul was blinding, is is like you said, the idea of religion, but also the idea of they believe something, but they just don't know how to believe it. They don't know the truth behind it because it doesn't make sense that that um, a salvation gift can just be a free gift that God's given, that we just have to accept it. You have to earn everything that we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get a promotion at work just because I'm awesome. I mean, just because <laughs> I show up. <laughs> Not takes, just for that reason. Yeah, it takes a lot more. Uh, it takes a lot of hard work and, and dedication to do. And so that just naturally tends to have people believe, and I think that, they have to earn it. They have to just be good, or they have just have to be good, and they'll be all right at the end. And I think that blinds a lot of people. What about the bad taste that religion or church itself leaves in people's mouth? Every time I try to eat it, it tastes bad. <laughs> but No, so you're just talking about kind of people who have maybe spent some time in church or been around Christians and because of the hypocrisy that you can find in churches and the people who call themselves Christians who are just jerks, um, that that has created a a foul kind of smell as far as the church goes. That could be what I was... That kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Yeah, and it's... um, and again, it's because it's based on something that's not true. It's based on, you know, somebody looking at someone who says they are a Christian. Um, maybe they go to church all the time, et cetera, et cetera. But their lives aren't showing it, you know. Um, I mean, years ago, and I might get this quote wrong, but Toby Mack, there was a, like when DC Talk was all together, Toby Mack, um, he said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk at the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And, and it's, it's true today. And I'm so impressed with myself right now that I just remembered that quote, that but it, it's true because when somebody says they're a Christian, they're basically labeling themselves as an ambassador for Christ. But now if that ambassador is, just living like the rest of the world or just, you know, whatever. Um, or, you know, even the, uh, the opposite going so far in, in legalism and, um, just living this life that is all about, you know, you've got to follow this just crazy set of rules. And, you know, if you sin, God's just set up in heaven, ready to zap you and, you know, all these, it's like God's waiting on you to fail so he can punish you and all these kind of things. Um, that kind of hard, harsh, cold truth, you know, kind of 
kind of Christianity. Um, man, when people see that, I mean, it's just not inviting, you know, or it just doesn't look like anything different than the rest of the world. So if you're living like the rest of the world and you're claiming to be a Christian, I don't want anything to do. I can just live however you're living and I'm fine because what's, what's the difference, you know? And so uh, God calls us to be different. God calls us out from the world, not to be like the world. Um, and I think part of the reason is because as we're being a reflection of, supposed to be a reflection of Him to others, uh, when we're not reflecting that, when we are being um, bad mirrors, you know, kind of broken mirrors, then uh, then it gives people a false a false view of what the gospel truly is. Yeah, I, I never worked in food service. Well, that's not true. When I was in high school, I worked at a fast food restaurant, but I've never been like a waiter um, at a, at a nicer restaurant. And and I've heard this, and you've probably heard it too, and a lot of y'all have probably heard this that the worst time to be a waiter is Sunday for lunch because. They just say that that church people are mean when they come in to the restaurant. They're not patient, and then they'll start. They won't tip good and all these types of things. Now, I don't necessarily buy into all that because I'm not somebody who likes to label whole groups of people based on a few. I fully understand that there's people out there that um, treat, you know, the waiters and waitresses wrong in the world, especially on a Sunday afternoon. So I know there's a lot of bad experiences. But at the same time, I also feel it just adds to that bad rap. Not saying you have to do anything when you go out to eat. I'm not trying to convict anybody of that. But we have to have a mindset as as being part of the church that as we go out into the world, like Jonathan was just saying, we have to look a little different. We have to be different. We have to react to situations different. We have to encounter people differently. If we just like anything else and, and knowing and, but speaking from the side of, you know, maybe I'm blind because I don't like the way the church acts, that I'm not going to be a part of a church or I'm not going to follow God because the church is so bad. You have to understand, too, that the church is just full of people who are sinners and are going to make mistakes and do what's wrong. You should not determine your relationship with God based on your relationship with the church. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Even though we are called to be a part of a fellowship, a part of a church, and there's importance in it, your relationship with God should not be dependent on that. If your favorite pastor leaves the church you're at, that shouldn't just mean I'm done with church. Your relationship should be deeper in that, should be deeper with God. So I definitely think that idea causes people to be blind in their faith and not want to, to be a part of it. What's some other reasons, Jonathan? I know you got some cooking back there. I'm, I'm coming up with all the reasons. Why, why, I just did what about one. you? I just did well, one. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to give myself some time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many more. No, I think the I, I think probably the the biggest one God, people don't want to follow God because they think of themselves as God. They want to follow themselves. We we really like ourselves. We're prideful. We really think we've always got the right answer and that kind of thing. So when we when we're denying ourselves, I mean, Jesus plainly said, "If you want to follow me, deny yourself. 
you know, pick up your cross daily and follow me. So we don't want to do that. We do, we're just prideful. We want to do our own thing. We want what we want. Um, we want to do what we want to do. And that does not, um, that kind of goes against the, the idea of giving our lives to God, kind of giving the, um, giving over the decision-making process to him instead of ourselves. So I, I think the biggest reason why people don't um, follow God is we're, we're prideful. We don't want to. Dang, Jonathan. <laughs> we got to hurt our feelings. Man, no. So much truth in that. You know, it even makes me think about um, when Jesus came uh, – and I think this is this is sometimes where people get lost because even to this day we, as as being part of a church and studying this stuff and reading this stuff and we still will make fun of some of the people in the Bible like oh these bunch of idiots they just didn't get it, but I still don't think we ever completely fully grasp the idea of this life being temporary. Um, when we when we think about what God calls us to do and the the life He encourages us to live. Um, it's for a purpose, and a relationship with God has a purpose. So, and I'm hearing what you're saying about being prideful, and that's completely true. It's just, when I think about how Jesus came and how he understands that our life here on this earth is a small part, just a little bitty a part of what's to come. And we think of... You know, this life is, I mean, most people agree, life goes by way fast, and I'm just going to live it for me, and I'm going to do the things I want to do, and I'm going to live the way I want to live because life is short, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it great. We are thinking of life as beginning at birth and ending at death, and it's over. I mean, that's what we're talking When we think that way, that's all it is. We don't think of anything else. God, Jesus, thinks of life as eternal this physical life is just a little bitty part of it so when he's looking at this life and what he calls us to do and how he calls us to respond he wants us to set ourselves aside and he wants us to carry our cross and he wants us to deny ourselves because he understands at the end of the day this is a small portion of the bigger part of life that that is eternal and he cares a lot more about that second life that you've got that right then you do this little part. I'm not yeah. saying anybody go just seeing to do whatever they want to do. <laughs> but he just I think he just looks at that side so much more. And I think we need to start doing that and understanding that this life is a little bit temporary and that there's something more to come. But we see it everywhere. We see it everywhere that this life wants us. It's sad. It's sad when we say goodbye to somebody. It hurts when we say goodbye to somebody. But at the end of the day, the hope is that that next life, the eternal life that we have, uh, we'll be right back there with them. And then there is no more loss or no more hurt. Yeah. Uh, someone um, someone I know uh, passed away here recently, and uh, it just really hit me that, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, they're, they're – uh, necessarily their faith, that kind of thing. Um, not sure about it. But uh, it hit me that I think for their, in their life, uh, 
that the eternal things took a back seat to the temporary, and now the temporary is over. You know. Yeah. So now the only thing that there is 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 the eternal, and so, and I think that's what we try to do in life is we, you know, make the most of the moment, do all these kind of, and it's it's like we're we're doing all of these things kind of as if, um this temporary state that we're in is all that there is, but it's just temporary. And at some point it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, and then we are launched out into, you know, like you were saying, it's the eternal and, uh, and, and God is more, um, he is more concerned definitely about the eternal um, because it's, you know, it's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they say it has no end. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kind of the definition there. Um, and really aren't, uh, you know, if you've got kids, aren't, aren't you more worried about their future than you are necessarily, you know, today or the, you know, or tomorrow. I mean, I, I know all the time we we teach our kids all kinds of lessons and sometimes it's a, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, sometimes it's because we're looking down the road going because that leads to different things, you know. So we, even as parents, talk, we look at the future. We look at lessons that our kids are learning and and all those kind of things that can have a bigger impact than just this one little decision. But in their minds, they're not comprehending that. You know, they're, they're all about right now, right now, right now. Um, so we have to kind of focus on the bigger picture for them. Well, that's what God's doing. You know, he's focusing on the bigger picture for us because we can't, it's very hard for us, uh, as, as kind of temporary. The only thing we've ever really known is temporary. You know, we've, we've never known 10,000 years or whatever. So it's hard for us to, to imagine that much less live as if it's, you know, as if that's the truth or whatever. So it's much easier for us to focus on days, months, weeks, you know, maybe years. Uh, whereas for God, it's his focus is more on the eternal because that's what's more, you know, the most important. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about, uh, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is the, the, the idea that, that blinds people that we are too, I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. Um, maybe I sin too much. Maybe my life is too messed up. Maybe I've made too many mistakes. There's no way that God could love me. I think that really blinds a lot of people to say, you know what, I'm just not going to be a part of that because there's no way that I would be accepted. There's no way. I've been turned away by people. Maybe I've been shunned. So God will do that same thing to me. I'm I'm too I'm too messed up for him. You're too messed up. Yeah. I, I definitely think people can get down that road real quick. Yeah, so if uh if you have not used your power and prestige to basically rape a woman and get away with it and um after that and trying to cover up kill her husband um among other things then you know you're you're not worse off than a than a guy that God said he was after his own heart you know and that was king david 
um, King David did some some pretty jacked up things. Oh yeah, you know. So yeah, that's uh, honestly that's another form of pride to to really think that we're too far gone. You know, man, I've done so much bad that God can't even save me. Yeah, it's that's really prideful to think, or you're making God out to be a lot smaller than He is, mm-hmm. and you're like you've really done something that bad. You know, I mean, so it's, again, it it comes back to pride. We think we're, not only can we do good stuff so well that we don't need God, or we can do bad stuff so well that God can't even save us. Yeah, great point. And we even find it in the story where it's not talking about Paul. I mean, here he was, a guy who murdered Christians, a guy who was on the road to literally go destroy the church. I mean, that's what his purpose was and jesus encountered him said you know what no you're not going to do that anymore i'm going to turn i'm going to change you i'm going to give you a new life he even changes his name i mean he gets pretty specific with paul he's not going to not going to we're not all going to have the same exact experience but we're going to have it in a way that when we say yes to jesus and that's what paul was doing here jesus got his attention showed him who he was and, and Saul said, you know what, I don't, maybe I don't get it at all. I've lived in this horrible life. I've done all these bad things. Why would you even choose me? Why would you even want me to be a part of this? And, and Jesus said, follow my direction and come be a part of what we're going to do. And he went on to be a missionary. He traveled. He was beaten for his faith. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. There were so many stories that, that, that Paul experienced. Even to the point, if you read your New Testament, if you read it from beginning to end, the majority of that writings are by Paul, the guy who was a murderer. There was a guy who had no place in the church. Even the disciple or Ananias that was he was being sent to scene was like, do you know who you're sending me? That was the reputation this guy had. You're not going to be viewed worse than this guy. okay? Cool. And here he was, and, and, and Jesus said, I got you, man. I, I, don't worry about it. We'll We'll work through that. Uh, give your life to me now, and then we'll work through it. And that's what he did. And it, it, no, nobody's too far gone. Nobody's too too lost not to hear the truth and be able to make a decision, like you said. Yeah. And it kind of goes along with that is um, a, a phrase here that is, it's different in um, kind of more modern translations. Um, it's It's, the phrase is different, but like in the in the KJV, and I'm reaching way back there. Um, part of that verse, when when the when it, the voice was speaking, the voice said, uh, "Saul, why per- persecutest thou me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks." And it's like I was I heard that phrase, and I was like, <laughs> "What in the world does that mean?" Um, it's actually a like a Greek proverb. Uh, that's talking about um, how they would tie animals together, put you know yokes on them, those kind of things, and they they would have a thing in behind them that as like if the if the animal rebelled against where they were going to go and that and they started kicking, they would kick backwards or whatever, and these these kind of sharp pointed sticks would basically they would kick into those. So as, as they kicked, which was an act of rebellion, they didn't want to go where they were needing to go. Well, they would kick, and what would that do? It would cause more pain. 
So the more that you kicked and call, you know, doing that, then the more pain you would be causing yourself. And so it was like, it was like Jesus was saying, Hey, Paul, you're trying so hard to, to rid, you know, the, the world of these Christians, but it's just getting worse and worse on you because as your rebellion just keeps taking you further away and it's it's like you're doing this thing that's just causing you yourself even more suffering. But yet, he, it wasn't too far for God. You know, it wasn't too much for him. God was actually the one that was putting them in the situation, you know, kind of using the situation that Paul was in um, to, to kind of bring all this about. So, you know, if Paul wasn't too far gone... And and God even used kind of that little that little proverbial phrase there, basically saying, "You're the one that's, you know, you're the one that's doing this to yourself, yeah. in a way." Um, then then yeah, that, there's uh, nothing that you know. We're not too far gone. We're we're not too too far away from God. All right, we're gonna we're gonna land this plane because uh, we've we've had some long shows recently, and we want to. Not not have this one be as long, but if I keep talking, it'll be that long. So <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to land this plane, and, and I just want to leave you with this thought. Um, we've talked about many reasons of why uh, people don't make decisions for Christ, why people hold on, why people don't want to, uh, as we say, are blinded and they don't want to see the truth or they want to open their eyes to it. Part of that uh, we need to remember out of everything we talked about tonight, with so much truth there, we also need to remember that there's an enemy out there. And as as believers, as as part of Christians, if you're going to believe in who God is, you're going to believe in who Jesus is. You need to understand that there is an enemy, and that enemy out there, Satan, is his his purpose is not to hunt you down and to murder you and do all those evil things. His sole purpose is to keep you from a relationship with Jesus. His his goal is to keep your eyes blinded so that you don't see the truth and who he is. And so I just want to encourage you tonight that if, if you're one of those people who may have, maybe you're on the fence, maybe you don't know, maybe you've never made a decision, because we really want this show to be for anybody. Uh, maybe you're a long-time churchgoer, and there's just always been something that's been holding you back, that's not been giving you that, that sight, that true relationship with God, or the willingness to, to dig deeper. It's up to you. I mean, it's it's up to you to say, you know what, I'm going to take that next step. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out who Jesus is. I'm gonna spend more time with him. I'm gonna do all those things. And at the end of the day, uh, you're gonna open your eyes and you're gonna be willing to uh, give this a chance of, of of looking for that truth and seeing what God will reveal it to you. And I think just like with Paul's life, that if if you're willing and if you're open minded to that, that uh, God will help you see, and Jesus will help you understand, and that that. That relationship can be better for you and um, be an eternal relationship, and uh, your life will change in in a, in a lot of positive ways. But it takes some work and it takes some willingness. So that's how I want to land this plane tonight. Okay, Jonathan, I think that's the show. Cool. <laughs> He's over there already already firing things on all cylinders. Whoop, whoop. So if you haven't caught on yet. We really appreciate you being a part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Go follow us on Facebook, uh, at Land the Plane Today, Instagram, at Land the Plane Today, Twitter. If you're on Twitter, 
Go to Land the Plane 247, give us a follow, join the conversations, have some fun with us on there. Um, we try to have a discussion question every Monday on Twitter, uh, just trying to really get that going a little bit. If you want to talk about what we talked about tonight, uh, join us on social media or send us an email at landtheplanetoday at gmail.com. We'd love to continue to have that discussion with you or have any questions or if you just think we're wrong, you're more than welcome to, to let us know. But uh, we enjoy Just do it nicely. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we like that. That is Yeah. We try to be nice. We'll be nice. So you gotta be nice too. <laughs> and one last shout out, don't forget, go go see friend of the pod, Benita Weasler, Artistry. Supporter of the pod. Supporter of the pod, yeah. Go over there and uh, check out her stuff. Remember it's on Facebook at BW Artistry, um, or on Instagram at, at the underscore Chiquita underscore Benita. BW Artistry and the Chiquita Benita. The underscore Chica Chiquita. <laughs> the underscore Chiquita underscore Benita. Yep. Go check it out. Tell her uh, land the plane. Send you over there and give her a like you. and follow. So, well, y'all have a uh, good start to summer, and uh, we'll be speaking to y'all soon. And thank you to all the veterans. Go out there, take a picture with a veteran, take a selfie with a veteran, and post the hashtag thanks the number four serving. I want to see them. I want to see some hashtags this Memorial Day. There you go. All right, guys. Thank y'all. Bye, y'all.